Blog Talk Radio. Right. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico. As always, we've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to be starting off here in just a moment uh, with another uh, interesting round of Coach's Corner, and I've got two of my uh, fellow professionals here with me, a couple of favorites, and I'll introduce them in just a moment. But let me remind you, uh, of course, we are live every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Uh, and the best way to find us, of course, is go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live or just type golf talk live up in the search key and that will take you to the main page and of course we'll be front and center uh right there on the page uh, during the live broadcast um, but for some reason if you can't join us live not to worry you can just scroll down uh on that page and you'll find the on demand section and that's where all of the previously aired shows including tonight's will be there a little bit later on after the broadcast uh, and you can listen to them there in their entirety uh in the on demand section um, for those of you that want to tune in maybe in a different social media platform, uh, you're welcome to also go to iTunes.com, Stitcher.com, and now TuneIn.com. And again, just type in Golf Talk Live, and that will take you uh, to the appropriate pages there. But for those of you tuning in live tonight, thank you very much. As always, I appreciate your uh, continued support and ever-growing audience, and you guys just do a great job in, in offering your support. So I appreciate that, plus a lot of the great feedback I get uh, along the way. Um, as I said, I've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, two great guys here on the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, they've been on here many, many times, and I uh, always look forward to having these guys on. Of course, I'm talking about Clint Wright and Pete Buchanan. Let me just tell you a little bit about them, and then we'll bring them out here, and uh, we'll begin tonight's uh, discussion on the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, first up, of course, is Clint Wright. He's a 30-year member of the PGA. He's also a partner at TGM Golf and a big proponent of the R3 approach. Uh, in my opinion, he's uh, among the best covering the short game today, and uh, he's certainly one of my favorite guests and panelists here in the Coach's Corner. Uh, also, uh, one of my favorites as well is Pete Buchanan. He's the founder and director of instruction and owner of Plain Simple Golf LLC, which, of course, houses the Plain Simple Golf Circuit and Simple Swing Repeater Training Brace uh, and has been teaching himself uh, well over 30 years as well. So uh, we're well covered this evening on Coach's Corner. So, guys, welcome uh, to the panel. I'm glad to be here, Ted. Yeah, thanks, Ted. Good to be here. All right. Well, I appreciate it, guys. And also, don't forget, very quickly, before we start, guys, uh, I forgot to mention, uh, for those of you that uh, want to call in during the live broadcast, you're welcome to do so. Call 646-716-4667, or you can certainly email any questions or comments to me personally during the broadcast, and my email is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. All right, guys, we're going to talk a little bit about, this was actually a conversation I had last week on the panel, and we're going to make a few adjustments here, but um, basically the, the gist of the conversation tonight, and I think, Clint, I'm going to give you a break and not start with you first this time. I think <laughs> okay, I'm going to start you. with Pete. So, thank Pete, you. yeah, Pete, I'm going to throw you under the bus first. Um, there we go. And uh, we're, yeah, yeah, here it comes. Um, we're going to talk about really changing the face of the game 
uh, and whether or not we really need to do it as uh, as an industry. Lots of things going on, lots of discussion throughout the golf industry as to um, whether or not we're, we're doing everything we can to really help grow the game. So one of the things that I, I want to talk about is the way we actually teach the game today as opposed to maybe you know 20 or 30 years ago for those that have been teaching that long. Um, do we need to change the way we approach uh, our teaching methods today or can we just sort of stick with the status quo? Uh, what are your thoughts, Pete? Well, you know, coming from, a, from, a, from an old school standpoint and, and what I learned, I think one of the things that's missing in today's teaching more than anything else is just basic cause and effect. Um, I know that there's a lot of great technology out there, which has given us a lot of information, but, you know, you still have to go out and, you know, fix what's, what the numbers are telling you. So I think from an overall standpoint, I would love to see us, you know, add into the mix more cause and effect to get everyone to understand, you know, why things happen. And, you know, when you make changes, uh, let the students know why. I mean, I run across so many players today that, you know, you ask them, do you have, do do you know why you hit the shots you hit? And they have no idea. And to me, that's just, I hate to use the word, but that's just a travesty. They should know this by now. And so I, I, I also talk to a lot of young teachers and they just don't know cause and effect. I mean, they can just get on there and, and look at instruction. And not that they're not getting results. Don't get me wrong. But I think from an overall standpoint, I think the better we can get the, the overall masses to understand what they're doing and, and to know why they hit the shots they hit, but most of all how to fix it, I think then we're on our way to a, a, a larger road. And I think the, the technology can enhance that. Um, I mean, I use it myself. So I, I, you sure. know, I use it in, in an effective making sure they understand why, but I, I just see to me, I mean, that's the number one thing I see is, you know, coming out of the, you know, the golf schools with, with John Jacobs and, you know, we were all about cause and effect and then, you know, getting out and, and teaching on my own after that and just seeing how much the, the lack of it there was, I was a little bit surprised. Right. And I think it would just make the overall teaching industry a little bit better if uh, we had more instruction along those lines. Yeah, I, I agree with, with what you're saying, Pete. You know, I, I think that one of the problems that I see um, with a lot of the, the method teaching, if you will, uh, and again, everybody is entitled to, to um, whatever way they want or style that they want to use, I guess, um, is the problem is they don't give enough information. It's very statistical, and it's, it's not really explaining, as you said, the cause and effect. Um, of what's you know happening to the golf ball and why it's acting the way it is, if you will, and a lot of times people get all kinds of information on what they should be doing, but they don't really understand fully why they need to be doing that or why why they shouldn't be doing that. So uh, I agree with that uh, analogy. Well, well done, um, Clint. What about you? I mean, communication is a big part uh, of of golf instruction, and I think sometimes we get wrapped up in technology. Uh, you know, we're not really effectively communicating sometimes with our students. Um, so where do you see way golf instruction is today? Um, do you sort of side along with Pete or do you have some other thoughts? No, I, I tend to agree with him a hundred percent, but I can, you know, add, uh, add a little bit to it. I mean, the, the, he, the points you make are, are absolutely valid, but the, the problem that I see sometimes is that you get, a person trying to make the technology give them the number that somebody has told them they needed to make it show up. Right. You know, like, you know, I, I guess I may not explain it really well. 
is that I go out, I'm trying to get this flight scope to in my club speed to this, to that, and before I know it, my objective here is to make the technology give me the right answer versus using the technology to determine the path that I need to take to improve. Right. Bingo. See, see I, I think that the, the, a lot of the technology we use today is really no different than a, an X-ray. You know, I want, I want what the X-ray is showing me, but... I, I can't make the x-ray give me what I want it to do. It's going to show me what's there, give me the idea and the path I need to take to fix the problem. So I see a lot of times is that we're not using the technology as fact finders. We're using technology as the ruler for success. Right. And it would get trapped into, we get trapped into the technology number versus the path that the technology will give us for true improvement. Um, and outside of that, I think Pete hit it right on the, on the head. I mean, you, you still have to be able to communicate the idea. You still have to be a teacher. You still have to know what's in the textbook to teach the student. And the more I have an understanding of the cause and effect, the much better communicator I'll be. Uh, yeah, and, and that's pretty. And I don't think that's ever going to change. I think that's true. That's going to be true forever. Yeah, and and I I again I agree with you 100 percent as well, Clint, on on your uh, your thoughts. I think too what what a lot of uh, in my understanding is I think that what they've tried to do in the industry with a lot of this technology, you know, for years we had all kinds of training aids, uh, and certainly there's still many of them out there. Um, and and some great ones, but I think what they've tried to do with the technology is to, in some ways, not just give a, a, a stronger visual cue, I guess, but also to replace some of that as a way of instead of having, you know, a bag full of training aids over here, we can do it with video analysis, or we can do it with, uh, and try to eliminate some of those those steps in order to be able to to accomplish the same goal. But the problem is. That, as you said, Pete, that you know, if you're trying to get um, to a specific number all the time, and or, or Clint, I think you might have said this, you know, if you're trying to get to a specific number all the time, but you're not really understanding the whys, then you get you get sort of caught up in this this fog, if you will. And I think this adds to the frustration. And this, uh, Clint, yeah, I know you've had a, a good breath now, so I'm going to bounce it back to you for the next question, <laughs> which 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 leads into this. Um, and, and this was um, my good friend uh, Byron Casper and I were, were chatting here recently, and uh, he talked to a group of millennials. And uh, we all know that the, some of the millennials can be pretty tough to uh, to get out there. They've sort of got their own way, if you will. But um, he had probably about 20 or so millennials that he was talking to, and he asked them, you know, had a discussion about golf. And about nine out of ten, uh, or ninety percent of them, came back with the same answer, and that was in their minds they do not see golf as being fun. So my question to you, Clint, is: What are we doing, or what do we need to do, or should we be doing to make golf more fun again? Now, because I think with a lot of some of the things we've talked about over the years on Coach's Corner with the technology and some of the, the uh, methodology, if you will, and, and some of the instruction mm -hmm. out there, it's become so complicated that people are just not enjoying it. It's, it's like coming into a science lab 
Um, what do we need to do to make this game fun again? Well, we all should have invested in Top Golf. Is what we should have done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and I mean, that's that's exactly what you're talking about. I mean, how do we get Top Golf at the, to the golf course? You know, we're we're having this discussion right now. I honestly believe that the 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 most serious challenge that the golf industry has had since I've been in the business is how do we get the millennium generation to to play golf? And if we can't yeah. solve that, yeah. we're, we're if we can't solve that, we got got a problem because that's the next large generation coming into our sport or any sport. So we do have to make it fun, and I, it, it is a serious challenge because you know if you look at the research, they show that time and money matters to them. Well, we can't make it free. You know, at some point you're losing money per player if you try to make it too cheap. And there is a set amount of time it takes to play the game. I mean, you just, you know, uh, and you don't want to get to a point where they feel like you're treating them like juniors and kids, putting them at the 150-yard marker where you can play in an hour. I mean, so it's really a difficult challenge, but I, I think if we took a, I almost want to think, and one of the ideas that we're batting around right now with, with this club that I've, I'm at right now, is that it's almost like you have to make golf secondary. Right. You have to have something else to get them to the club. You know, a drink after work or movie night or trivia night. And, oh, heck, let's go play a few holes. You know, a three-hole circuit. It's almost like you need to trick them into coming. And right. then, right. <laughs> you, you know, it, it's, it's almost like this idea you talk about, you know, that the, you, 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 go, you go to a, a, a football game for the party and then sooner or later a game breaks out, you know. Right. Uh, right. And it, it's almost like we need to have, well, sooner or later golf's going to break out here, but we really didn't come for golf to start with. We came for the activity, and one of the activities right. is a is a three hole golf tournament or a three hole play. You know, so you know, in my opinion, you almost have to trick them into coming. But it's a serious challenge to our industry, without a doubt. You know what, Clint? I think you just you just gave me a million dollar idea, and I think you, Pete, and I, and we'll get John Hughes in and a few of the other uh, coaches' corner uh, panel regulars to to all jump in together, but. Uh, we need to tailgate at a golf event. That's what we need to do. I think you're exactly right. I think we need to get some tail, some tailgate going at the golf, get them out there, some, you know, maybe some good barbecuing going and, and that sort of thing and, and, uh, and get them out yeah. there. And then, like you say, have a, have a three hole, uh, uh, scrimmage, if you out. will. Hey, and we got plenty of empty parking lots. Hell, we got plenty of room. Yeah. Right. <laughs> plenty of parking. That's for sure. Yeah. We got plenty of parking. But no, right. I, I honestly <laughs> but, believe that we almost have to have something else and golf becomes secondary to begin with and then hopefully it becomes primary. Right. Yeah. You're you're you know, you're exactly right. And and, and Pete, I, I want to get you to jump in here with some thought, uh, thoughts as well, but I want to say something very quickly. Clint, you, you raise a valid point ab- about cost as well, because a lot of these kids um and the millennials coming up and that, they're very, very price conscious. I mean, they don't want to pay. I mean, you know, you look at a lot of the music industry, what they've struggled with, um, you know, trying to make money. In, in the, and I, certainly I'm not saying I feel sorry for them, but 
you know, a lot of these uh, mediums that are out there now where you can download free music or free videos and things like that, it, it's presented a challenge for a lot of artists out there. And I think the golf industry mm-hmm. is, is sort of coming down that same line. Uh, what do you think about that, Pete? I mean, I think it's, it, that's kind of what's happening to the golf industry. Oh, there's no question. I mean, I'm, I love what Clint was talking about. I mean, it used to be that the golf course, you know, supplied the restaurant, the driving range and everything else. And now it has to be the other way around. Your restaurant and your range need to drive your golf course. And so he's absolutely right. right. You got to come up with some new ideas and new ways to get them out there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like with Clint, I can't wait until every hole is like top golf. I mean, you're going out there shooting the targets, you, you know, you, maybe you make it six holes, but they're shooting at tar- different targets as they go instead of one range. I mean, you know, we, we got to adapt with the times here, you know, and the, the millennials are all about, you know, electronics. I mean, you know, we've talked about this too, Ted, why I do so many lessons online yep. because they've all got them in their pockets. I mean, they all have a smartphone, yep. so it's easy to contact them. All you got to do is, oh, hey, there's coach. You know, so they'll get back to you if you text them, if you call them, or you'll never get them. You send them a text, boy, no. they'll get right. Or you go on Facebook and ping them, they'll get right back to you. So, you know, it's this new wave of technology and this new way of thinking. You know, from a cost perspective, you know, maybe you build it into a, you, you know, a, a, like you said, you've got a, a, a tailgate barbecue um, golf package, and you just put it all into one. You know, if they know they can get some value out of some food and some drink, and, you know, maybe they'll come and play. So I, I think right. you're definitely right. It's a whole new way we have to look at this. Uh, to make it successful across the board. You know, we had an interesting guest on um, the Women of Golf this past Tuesday with uh, with Cindy and I, and um, she's, a, of course, a, an, an LPGA uh, professional, one of the top 50 in the country. And she mentioned the fact that, you know, obviously a lot of the private clubs host a lot of uh, different events and things like that to get people to come out. But a lot of the public courses don't offer anything. They don't really have anything. Um, and the ones that are available have some sort of golf league, you know, golf league or something going there. So they're always filled up and there's nowhere for, you know, sort of the average folks to go and play. So I think the industry also, in addition to making it a little bit more interesting and getting people out there need to have availability. Um, you know, there's a lot of great golf courses out there, but, for a lot of these millennials, they don't have the time, Clint, as you pointed out, uh, and they don't want to spend, you know, 65 or $150 around, um, you know, and to go out and play a five and a half hour, uh, you know, round of golf. They don't have the time and they don't want to spend that kind of money. So we need to, you know, maybe get into some more executive courses, but, um, uh, and, and get that out uh-huh. and, and, you know, more nine whole, whole challenges. There's a lot of different options, but they, the industry definitely needs to do something. Um, you know, Ted, there's also Ted, a, you hit on yeah, a, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you hit on go a ahead, great Pete. thing there, you know, from, from the time it takes to play. I mean, we need to have a serious conversation about speeding these rounds up. I mean, you know, when I was a kid playing at the club, if you played in more than four hours, you got in trouble. I mean, you know, it was three and a half and you're out of there. And, you know, and we took our time. I mean, we, you know, we weren't running, but I mean, now, I mean, I don't play many events anymore. I just don't have, I mean, a six hour scramble. is just, it's just rough. Well, I'll tell you, you know, when, when you and I were coming up golf courses, like the average round at the club I'm at right now is four hours and 15 to four hours and a half. Okay. But it's not tee to green. There's so much travel time between 
the green and the tea. The golf course yeah. I grew up on, I agree with you, but it was green to tea. You know, tea, you know, green to tea, green to tea. You know, right. and you know, so we built golf courses for different things. But one of the other things that we're giving some serious thought to is a graduated scale membership for thirty-five and under. Right. Hey, good idea. You know, come on in. We charge you a month, about half price, but every year on the anniversary date it goes up a little bit. You know, for like three years, and then you're back to full price. So again, try to create the habit, and then right. get them going. So there's a lot of things we can do. But you know, we had a golf course just announced two days ago up here that they were closing, been open for 50 years. And one of the yeah, things they did two years, yeah. yeah, one of the things they did two years ago was they closed their bar and grill. Ugh. That hurts. Just, just the opposite of what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. Well, and and you know, guys, the thing is that golf courses have to be certainly more creative, and and this sort of brings me and Pete. We're going to come back to you now. Um, there's been a lot of discussion on what courses can do. Uh, you know, we as golf professionals, there's things obviously that we need to do as professionals to, to make it more fun and make it more interesting. Uh, but the golf courses have to do something as well. They have to learn to adapt uh, to a, cl- a declining golf population, uh, you know, here in the U.S. And, and mm-hmm. you know, there's no denying the, stat, the stats don't lie. Um, your good uh, friend there at, uh, at Clemson, Clint, could probably back this up. But Cle- uh, Clemson University actually put out a study here recently uh, about that very thing. And, and the numbers are, are quite shocking. Um, but as a golf professional, you know, when we're working at a golf course, you know, a lot of times there's conflict between management and, and the pros about what they should do and, and shouldn't do to, to, to drive more interest in. And a lot of times there's budgetary, you know, discussions that just, you know, just don't seem to uh, to be realistic. But I think that the golf courses need to do something, need to make changes as well. And one of the things I think that they should do, and, and Pete, I'm going to get your thoughts on this as well, is they need to do a better job of reaching out to their communities. Um, and I don't mean just, you know, trying to get the business types in and sending out a flyer. They need to get out in the school systems, in the community centers, what have you, and get them out there and start offering clinics, not just at the golf course, but actually going out to different areas and whether it be through after school programs. And there are some of that going on now, but I think it needs to be on a much bigger scale and it needs to be, um, it needs to be coordinated. One of the problems it is, uh, you know, the PGA and the LPGA have some great programs out there, but um, they're all sort of working independent of one another. And there's really no consensus of, okay, well, what do I do when I, you know, when my kids this age or, uh, you know, when they reach that age, what's available, they don't, people don't know unless they're, you know, embedded into the golf industry. So, Pete, my, my question to you is, based on some of what I just said, what do the golf courses need to do? What are some things that they need to do uh, to be, you know, uh, you know, avoid closing up like Clint just talked about one of his courses? Well, I think, you know, first of all, you just hit it on the head. I mean, if, if you're in a, you know, any town that you're in, you, know, you need to be involved with everything that's going on from the chamber to um, – you know, the city council. I mean, I'd go in and talk to the, to, to the local government. I'd talk to the chamber of commerce, um, get in with the, the school district and try to find out, you know, what we can do, what we can offer for, for golf across the board. Um, 
you know, even even to a certain extent, we've got a local golf course here that has a nine-hole par three that they don't do anything with. I said, man, have you ever thought about having a skins game? I mean, just just I mean, you'd attract some guys in here if you'd have a you know a weekly skins game with carryovers. You know, it's all par threes. You know, and just thinking outside the box a little bit. But I think I think golf courses aren't used to being um, out front and and aggressive from a marketing standpoint. I mean, they always just kind of let yeah. everything come to them. And now they have to right. they have to turn the tide. You know, you got social media on your side now. And, you know, you can really do some really cool things without having to spend a lot of money. And you can get yourself right. propped up in the neighborhood and across and, and, and get into a lot of people's, um, you know, different different deals. You know, a local one here, go to the city and see if you can get a small little blurb in the, in the, you know, the monthly newsletter that goes out. That won't cost you anything. You know, get yeah. a, give the mayor you know, a lesson and get a get a deal in the in the newsletter. You know, it's it's a simple thing you can do. But I think you're right. I think they they go. need to be more involved in their communities, and I think that in turn will help them create more yeah. things to go. Right. Right. Um, Clint, Clint, let me ask you something. I mean, yeah. let me just okay. say this first, and I I want to get you to jump in. You know, one of okay. the things that um, that I see here locally. Uh, in Panama City Beach, as an example, with a lot of the golf courses, the only advertising I see is when they're offering a special on, on um, green fees. Uh, right. Or if they've got a tournament or, of some kind or a corporate event going on. That's it. I see nothing else from any of the golf courses in this area. So as somebody in the industry that sees that, the first thing that I'm thinking about, what sort of a community outreach program are you offering when you don't have anything other than, you know, forty nine dollars for, uh, you know, a round plus plus cart, mm-hmm. that's the only advertising that people see. Right. So, you know, that's not that's not very exciting to me. And I'm in the golf industry. What do you, right. what do you think about the course? What do they need to do? Well, they could do a lot of things. The question is whether the the owners are willing to look long term versus short term. You know. Pete yeah. brought it up a minute ago. I mean, you got to get in the schools. Well, a golf course owner looks at that and says, hey, well, some of them may see it, but that's long-term. You know, get the kids playing, mom and dad play, maybe, you know, you could go down that road if you wanted to. And it's been successful over the years. The bigger junior camps you got, the more successful club you got. But, you know, what we've done over the years is kind of work a little behind the scenes and work more through uh, golf outings, charity groups, you know, sheriff's tournaments, things of that nature, to get different people on the golf course and promote the facilities that way. You know, but that's old school, too. I mean, we're dealing with a a totally different marketing uh, avenues today than we ever thought. It's almost like from a golf professional standpoint and a golf course operator, it's almost like you got to be the, you know, the, the ringmaster at the circus, I mean, yep. you, you got to be you got to be the barker. You got to get people going, you know. And people, you know, how many times does the golf pro? And we did this years ago, and I haven't done it recently. Go speak to the JCs. Go yep. speak to the Rotary Club. They're looking for people to come talk at lunch. You know, go to get out there and talk. You know, go and make a presentation in front of your city council and county council, even if it's just for beer night or something. Go get in the minutes of that meeting. And, right. Um, but go to the J. You know, what we're looking at right now is we're trying to get involved with the JCs. 
Yeah. Well, JCs is a young professional organization. You know, you all know the JCs. So that's who we're aiming yep. towards. But if it, but if those people would go out and and I don't know whether you can make a flat copy ad exciting. I mean, it's just the nature of it. Yep. It's forty nine dollars. You know, come play, please. Um, we we need somebody to show up. Um, those ads are never going to get any better. Um, they are boring. I mean, it's about the event. Okay. Right. The, you know, the core golfer is going to come play uh, when they want to play and basically for the price they want to play. You can go on Golf Now, CBS Golf, and, you know, you can get a good price no matter what. Um, so that's not, to me, a place of exciting. Where that ad needs to be is promoting trivia night. Yep. That's where that ad needs to be. I'm not going to advertise my price. We advertise a concept, mm-hmm. and that will bring them, that will bring it that that people will bring them out. I mean, there's a just an off the cuff. There's a little local wine bar here that on Monday night there'll be ten people there. On Wednesday night, when they have trivia, there'll be fifty people there. Now the wine's no right. cheaper, no better than it was on Monday, but there was an event. Right. There was yep. another reason for them to come. And that's yeah, what we've got and, to create for our golf courses, without a doubt. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's like I said earlier, you know, a lot of the private clubs, uh, certainly not all of them, but, you know, they will do things like that for their members. They will have some sort of an event, um, right. you know, going on to get their membership out there. Um, but even that's getting old. You, you know, you're, you guys are exactly right. I think the industry has to start stepping out of the box. Um, you know, the, the golf pro has to be that sort of ringleader, if you will, and has to get out there, speak to, to various different groups, and, you know, have different events. L- let me tell you something, very, and I'm, I'm just sort of, sort of paraphrasing this a little bit, um, so if you're listening, John, um, I apologize, but John Decker was on last week on the Coach's Corner panel. I know you mm-hmm. both are, are, are familiar right. with him. And he, and he talked about something that uh, at the course, yeah, the, the course that he uh, was on, they had some sort of an event, and what they did, it was out on the range, but what they did is they had some pumpkins out there, and they had um, uh, not figurines, but um, I guess photos, large, you know, blown-up photos of. Uh, it's a fairly big course, so they have a bunch of golf professionals working there, and they invited a, a group of people out, a bunch of people out there to, uh, you know, hit some balls and obviously hit the hit the targets. So they made kind of an event. They they had some sort of event. I'm sure there was more to it than that. But it was very successful. It was fun because, you know, you could hit, hit your favorite golf pro. And, and uh, you know, it was kind of like what they did on Big Break with the glass, you know. And they obviously had some things. But you could do some uh, maybe some more challenging skills challenges and things like that and, and have some prizes and things. But something that's engaging as opposed to just straight lessons and, and regular golf outings. I mean, those things are great. Um, and, and, you know, corp. Uh, Business types certainly want to have their corporate events at a golf course because there's uh, a million reasons why it can be very successful. But for the average Joe and especially the millennials out there, um, the last thing that they want to do is come out there and, and, and just take a straight old up, upfront golf lesson or you know play nine or 18 holes. To them, they don't see it as being fun. And, um, and again, you know it's hot out there. It's you know 50, 60 dollars around. They're not very good to begin with because they haven't played very much. So there's a million reasons for them not to come out. So, you know, Clint and, and Pete, as you both said, you know, let's 
wrap an event to get them out there, and golf is just part of that event. But there's other things that go on right. and make it something that's fun and interesting. And as a byproduct, uh, you're exactly right, guys. Is I think that you're going to see people, golf will benefit greatly if you have some kind of a, a you know a, an interesting event to get them out there in the first place. People will say, oh, you know what? Hey, this is a great facility. I like it. And uh, yeah, you know what? I've been thinking about taking up the game or, or whatever they're thinking. But it's going to get them out there and and uh, and, and enjoying the facility and you know, the golf courses are going to supplement their income in a different way. Agree? Disagree? Right. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's, um, let's talk about another, um, since we've sort of touched on a little bit, is time restraints with students. This is a big issue for a lot of, and I know we've touched a little bit about it, but um, uh, Pete, I'm going to jump back to you here for a second. This is a big issue, and, and I think one of the things that you pointed out earlier is one way to get around this, and that is doing a lot of online instruction. People just don't have the time anymore. That's a big thing I hear all the time is, you know, I just don't have the time to come to the golf course and spend 30 minutes to an hour, uh, you know, to take a, to take a lesson. Um, and, you know, we, we've got to figure out some, uh, again, some creative ways to be able to reach some of these uh, up-and-coming generations because uh, they're not coming to the golf courses like they used to. So what, what are your thoughts there? What else can we do? Well, one of the things we did is, you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these young guys are into their cars. So we had, you know, there's a, there's a group of here that has cars and coffee where they go on a, like a Saturday morning and they have their coffees and they all show off their cars. We did one at the golf course. So we had cars and golf. Right. And so they all came in, parked their cars. We sealed off one part of the, of the, parking lot they all got to park do their stuff and then we you know had them play nine holes afterwards you know it's just a different way to to you know to get them out there um you know worked yeah. out very well but you know from a time standpoint um you know i i think you're absolutely right i mean you know most of my lessons anymore are you know 30 45 minutes i mean that's enough um you know and i can i can get it done in that time anyway which is a bonus but you know i think you know as as Clint was saying earlier, you know, time and money are, are their two biggest things that they're looking at. So, you know, you have to be able to, to dibble into each one without trying to get it too expensive or take too long. And, um, you know, there's definitely a market for it. I mean, my, my, you know, my son's, you're going to be 30, you know, this, uh, going to be 30 or 29, whatever he's going to be 29. But, uh, you know, he's, you know, I'm, I'm talking to he and his buddies all the time. It's, it's too many years now. I remember when he was five anyway, but, uh, you know, I'm talking to them all the time about trying to come up with different different ideas. You know, well, have a nine hole scramble with the food trucks afterwards. You know, bring uh, bring one of the local bands in and have a concert. You know, at the club. I mean, just just different things to start thinking outside of the box. That you know, those are things they'll go to, and so they'll spend a little bit yeah. more time at those things if you can entice them. So yeah, you know, I think you're absolutely right. You just have to come up with you know, those different types of things and, you know, find out what are they interested in. I mean, I know one of the things we used to do on the golf course as, as an assistant, I mean, one of the assistant's job was to go on the course and talk to the players, find yes. out what's going on. What do you like? What do you don't like? You know, um, how was the last tournament? Did you like it? What would you like to see? You know, how do you like the food? We were out there all the time. And that's where a lot of our ideas came from is we just go out and ask. It doesn't matter what course you're at. Go and ask them what they want. What are they looking for? How come your buddies aren't here? You know, I see you guys hang around with all your other friends, but when you come play golf, there's only three of you. Where are the rest of the guys? Well, how can we get them here? 
You know, so I think it's yeah. just, uh, as, as Clint mentioned before, I mean, you just have to be willing to, to go do it. I mean, that's the different, uh, that's the different thing. You got to, you know, my dad used to say, hitch up your drawers and get. Started. Right. There's definitely, yeah, there's definitely a different mindset in today's, uh, you know, I, I had a conversation recently with a gentleman about my age and, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, one of the big problems now is a lot of companies have a difficult time finding workers, uh, you know, they're, they're getting them all my age or, or older because a lot of the younger generation uh, just isn't interested. They, you know, they want to do other yeah. things and they don't want to get into, uh, you know, how we would traditionally, you know, get a job to, and sort of work our way up. They don't want to do that anymore. So companies are really trying to be very creative in, in getting, um, you know, some new talent. And I think the golf industry has to do that as well. And, and Clint, what about, you know – more on the lesson side of things, you know, this is a big problem, I think, right now for the golf industry. And, you know, I mean, some can probably argue and say, you know, they, they're booked all the time and, and that's fantastic if they're living in a big center. But you get into some of these rural areas, um, you know, people are, are out plowing their field for most of the day. And the last thing mm-hmm. they're thinking about is going and, and taking a golf lesson. So, you know, right. again, I know we, we've got to find some creative ways of getting out the golf course, but what can we do from the lesson tee to make it more uh, appealing to get people to uh, to want to come out and take lessons and commit well, some time. You know, I, I really that's a hard question. I mean, we we do deal with a technical sport. I mean, there's a certain yeah. amount of just boring boilerplate stuff you have to do, and it, it's right. we we don't we don't play Zen golf. I mean, the, you have to actually be there, do the work. You know. Right, and, and that, that's that's one of the things that we do in the in, with the R three. I mean, let's do good work. One of the things that we mm-hmm. talk about, you know. So the way that we try to get people to is to to be smarter. Know what you're going out there for. Instead of spending 45 yeah. minutes banging 100 balls, spend 15 minutes working on something you know you need to do better. And here's how you do it. Right, you know, the R three is the right thing. It's the right time. You know, everything has a right. time. And so, therefore, we try to push people, practice and work smarter and do good work. Don't just go out and bang balls because you're not getting anywhere. That's boring, uh, and you're not improving. So, eventually, what happens is they, they've worked their tail off. They've, they've not done it properly. They're not improving, and they give up. So, we, we, we really just try to encourage people to, to, to be smarter. You know, work smarter, not mm-hmm. harder. And that's kind of the, 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 the one thing that we try to do uh, to not where it's boring, just banging balls, okay? Have a purpose to mm-hmm. it. And outside of that, I mean, I mean you know, I, I just don't see how we can bring it all down to where you've got a bunch of fancy bells and whistles going off every time somebody hits a ball in the basket. You know, there, there's a certain right. amount of just hard work that, and, and things that have to take place to be an accomplished player. Now, with that said, we really make a living off of people that play this game very poorly. You know, (laughs) if we had had to rely on the people who played good golf, we'd starve to death, okay? So we need to make sure that people understand, you know, we don't encourage people to keep score for a while. You know, if you, you know, don't keep score. Just get, you know, finish the hole. If you've hit it, you know, we tell people like on a par four, if you hit it eight times, pick it up. 
walk up, yeah. put it on the green, and putt out. Then your next level of achievement would be if you can get to the ball on the green in less than four shots, or in less than eight shots, I should say, then in right. less than right. six. You know, where they're not thinking, you know, look, this can be fun. I don't have to keep score. There's a level of improvement that doesn't involve a number at the end of the round. You know, right. if I can start if I can start getting the ball on the green every time in less than double par, I've made an improvement. And, and go go in that direction of where people don't come to the game thinking, gosh, i got to be good at this. You know, I know that's detrimental mm-hmm. to our lesson business, but we have to take the approach with our players – we want to get you good enough to where you can enjoy what you're doing, and then we can start working about how big a number you shoot. Right. You know, Clint. Yeah, Clint. You raise a very interesting um, uh, point there because, uh, you know, you're you're right in in what you just said. Because I think one of the one of the problems in the industry as a whole is we focus so much on par, and. A lot of folks out there, I mean, the numbers don't lie. A lot of folks out there are not even close to par. They're, you know, lucky if they can break 100 or 90 even. Yes. And the problem is that we're trying to get them certainly to to improve and to be able to score low, but there's so much pressure. And I like the fact that what you just said about instead of trying to right away focus on somebody to, to, to get to the hole on a par four, you know, under four, let's work on eight, you know, eight shots if that's what it, it takes to get to the green. Because the problem is, I think with, with a lot of folks out there is it's unattainable. Sometimes the, the um, pressure that's put on them and then a, their level of frustration goes up. They're trying to break sure. 80. They, they can't break 80. And they just give up on themselves. They've, you know, hit a thousand balls out there and they're still not improving. So we have to start making targets that are attainable. And then, like you said, sort of wean them down over time, but not so much so that we're not giving them a a reasonable level. Yeah, a reasonable level of, of attainability. And I think that's where a lot of people get frustrated is because they're out there. They're, you know, they're trying to break 80 or even 100 in some cases, and they're focusing right. on that big number instead of just, as you said, you know, maybe just getting to the green in, in eight. And then the right. next time, maybe let's try to get there in six. And and so they're, they're smaller goals, um, and they're not focusing on, well, I, I shot a, you know, a 96 today. Uh, I was able to, on that, on that par four that normally took me eight shots, I was able to get there in six today. So they're, That's right. it's a smaller goal, but it's an attainable goal, and I, and I like that. It's very good. All right, guys, I got the yeah. last uh, last question here. I want to I want to throw out there, and this goes. I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, we talked about last week about video lessons uh, or instruction uh, has fast become of interest, especially to to millennials, because as Peter, you pointed out, they're always on their phones and whatnot. And this was a question I asked the guys last week, but you know, again, keeping a time and interest level. How long should videos be in order to keep their interest, and what what do you consider too long? Um, Pete, I'm going to let you go first. Well, you know, most of the analysis I do for them, um, you know, they're they're all less than five minutes. You know, when they send me a video and I'm talking about the things I want them to do, 
the initial one might be a little bit longer than that, but, you know, um, as a matter of fact, one of my players just sent me one um, just before we got on and um, I actually caught him while he was still on the range. So um, he sent me the video and I sent it back. It was like a, a 45 second deal. Yep. You know, this is what we're looking at. So they can be very fast, you know, I, and even that, with that being said, I have a whole 30 day challenge, which covers the whole game and all the videos total are 32 minutes long. So, I mean, it's, it's very short and precise and right to it. So I don't think they have to be too long because I think they'll lose interest if they're too long. Um, you have yep. to captivate them and, and get, get to the point, you know, I, I'm, a lot of times, you know, I'll, I'll listen to guys talking about golf instruction and I'm sitting in the audience going, would you get to the point? I mean, come on, let's go. I mean, right. you know, but that's the sim- that's the simplicity right. in me that, you know, I want to get it done and get to the point and find out what's going on. So I think from a, a video standpoint, yes. um, you know, I don't like them to be very long. I think, um, you know, Could when you you're really it? talking about some details and stuff, okay. I'd say, you know, maybe five minutes at the longest, but most of mine average between, you know, a minute 45 and three minutes when I'm, when I'm going back over them. So I think they should be very, very right. precise, very much detailed to the point and, uh, and not very long. Right. Well said. Um, Clint, what about you? Your thoughts on, on video? Um, you know, obviously we're in, we're in the video age right now with uh, not only instructors taking video, but, uh, also students uh, providing instructors with video on that. If you're putting together a, a video lesson plan or something like that to that effect to, to help your students out, uh, obviously that can be a very valuable tool for your students because a lot of people obviously are visual and sometimes mm-hmm. again because of time, yeah, you know, because of time restraints, maybe if they're not able to get to the course and maybe they've got some questions or concerns about their game, you can shoot them a little uh, video and send it out. Uh, what are your thoughts there is what's too long and, and what, you know, what do we need to to get in that video to, to get our points across? Pete, Pete said it perfectly. We, we look at anything that we've done. I've got a few out there. It's probably four minutes, but anything over three minutes, you've lost them. It, yeah. It's just that simple. I mean, you know, and you know, the, the, the people we're dealing with primarily, uh, the, the, it's all instant. That's why a lot of the, you see the millenniums in this age group, in, unless they can get good at it quick, they quit. It's mm-hmm. all about instant gratification. You know, if, you know, when I, when I first started using computer, heck, if it come on in a minute, it was a big deal. Now, if it takes longer than a second, everybody's upset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You know, so right. it has to be very precise to the point. I think people agree with this. It has to be right to the point, very short and sweet. And and then you go to the next subject. Yep. It, it has Absolutely. to be very segmented. And if you if you want to I, give a whole lesson in, in thirty minutes, I mean they're not gonna they're not gonna click on that one. No. No. Yeah. That, nope. So Pete said yeah, it perfectly. I, yeah, that's true. You know, when you when you look at a lot of the videos that have been put up on YouTube and and some of the other platforms out there, and and you know, of course, they're all pretty much time stamped and you start seeing videos that are 12 and 13 minutes long and it's an instructional video. Uh, even as somebody in the business, I look at that and I say, I don't even want to watch that because I, right. I know that this person's, you know, going on and on and on, or they're trying to get too much information in there. And, and, and right. people want, you know, I, I talked to a gentleman recently just to give you a, an idea, uh, a young gentleman. And he said that, you know, what he likes to do is he likes to research um, you know, what it is he's interested in, in learning 
he'll go online to, to various you know top sites, and then what he'll do is he'll take that information, he'll go somewhere to his local course or what have you or driving range, and he'll work on right. some of those things. But one of the thing, but one of the things that he has said was just like what we're talking about right now, and that is if somebody's got a video that's much longer than five minutes, he's not interested in that. That's because right. he doesn't have time to sit and, and watch that because it's not gonna it's not gonna hold his interest. And, too much rambling. Yep. Right. There's too much rambling. And and it's well intended, I understand that, and I mean mm-hmm. no disrespect to, you know, any fellow pros out there, but the truth of the matter is we're in an age of technology and instant gratification. And if people are not getting that information in a fast, and all businesses are like that. So, you know, the golf industry can't be different, but, um, you know, we, we have to be able to get access to that information. You know, even when I'm looking for something, you know, I'll get on Google because I'm not going to sit there. I mean, you know, we don't open up the books anymore. We go on Google yeah. or, or some other search right. engine. And, you know, if you want to learn how to do something in that, I'm not going to take a course. I'm going to get on the internet and I'm going to search it out and, <laughs> and I'm going to try and find the best. And if it takes me longer than a little bit, then I say, well, that's not that important <laughs> Anyways, unless right. the house is burning down. Oh, well, but, uh, you know what I mean? You know, yeah. so, uh, again, I think, you know, the, the overall thing that really I wanted to get through with, with tonight's discussion, and I think we've, we've you know, done a, a good job with it, is, is really that the industry has to take a hard look at itself and say, what can we do better? I mean, we can come up with all the great programs out there, and there are a ton of programs out there available through all levels of golf. But the, the truth of the matter is, what are we doing to catch the consumer's interest? So we have to be better salesmen, I think, in, in doing that. Um, you can spend all the money you want in advertising and having a great website, um, but if there's nothing on that website that's catching their interest other than some great pictures and, and uh, you know, uh, some photos of the golf course – uh, people are not going to, you know, they're going to, they're passed on by. So the golf courses have to be very creative and innovative, I think, in order to get people out there. But once they're there, then I think it's up to the golf professional to say, we need to have some kind of event or events going on here on a fairly consistent and regular basis. And sometimes it has to be trial and error. Sometimes you might just have to try oh, something yeah. and say, hey, it may work, it may not work. And if it's successful, then you go with it. But if it's not, well, then, okay, right. you try something else. But to just advertise, you know, cheap rates or golf lessons, um, you know, Clint and, and Pete, as you guys pointed out earlier, people are just not coming out. And I think this is why golf courses are closing up is because people, unless you, you know, you're, with the exception of your hardcore golfers, um, they're just not getting interest. It's not interesting to them. It's not fun. So we have to make it um, yeah. not just about golf and golf lessons. We have to make it about something else and just – let the other sort of flow as a result of it. So um, uh, great discussion tonight, guys. Thank you. Uh, I, I uh, you managed to get some, some more information uh, from you guys as I knew I would <laughs> and, and always gives, gives me some pause to think. Um, great, great job as always. Um, so I'm going to give you a couple of minutes here. Uh, we got a few minutes left uh, before you uh, uh, sign off. I know you guys got things to do and you want to unwind from the day, yeah, but uh, Clint, what's uh, what's new and exciting uh, happening out your way? Well, what, are you, what are you working on? Anything special? 
Well, we're we're working on a few things, you know, do some uh, some group lessons here and there, but primarily just trying to get our hands around some of the things we've talked about tonight. You know, how do we attract the 35 and under to get them back out? You know, one of the things we've got, we do not have a private club in our county. Five golf courses, right. all of them open to the public. And so, I mean, it's a little different market. Uh, we're growing. We're trying to take advantage of some of the industrial growth here as well by, by introducing golf right. through the corporate level. But... You know, our thing is is that we've never, and since I've been in the golf field, we've really never had to do what we're talking about. It's a hard yep. pill to swallow to think golf becomes a secondary item at your facility. So we, we've got we've just got to be realistic and, and move forward. And we're going to try a few of those things. I mean, I, I've learned a couple of things here tonight as well. It, it, we're going to we're going to give that concert or the or the the car show. I think that's a heck of an idea. Let's do a car show. You know, and yep. uh, try to try to get some interest going other than golf. And hey, let's go play a hole or two. Maybe you'll like it. Yep. You know, a little bit, right, almost exactly. a little bit of a bait, a little bit of a bait and switch. Yep. We're gonna bait them out well, there, you, and and you know, and but that's fine. You know, you yeah, can have so a that's, great that's where we're fun. Cu- yeah, you can have a fun couples event that doesn't necessarily have to be. Uh, revolving around golf uh, initially it can be some other event, right. uh, and then you could just maybe, like you say, have a three-hole scramble, um, sure. you know, or something Absolutely. like that, just to make it fun and, and interesting. But it gets them out there, and again, it gives a, another revenue stream um, uh, for the golf courses, right. and and That's they're right. not always having to give away uh, the lessons, or always having to give away their green fees uh, in order to make revenue. So uh, right. being creative uh, is one way. Um, uh, quick, uh, very quickly, Clint. Uh, for those that want to reach out to you and and yeah, uh, and, and, and I've got to go. Um, it, yeah, uh, Clint Golf, Clint Golf zero zero one at yahoo dot com, uh, or they right. can go on the cl- the club at brookstone dot com. Either one of those, and I'll be more than happy to respond to them. And Ted, as always, right. it's been a, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right, have a good night, Clint. We'll talk to you soon. See you, Pete. All right, bye bye. All right, Pete, uh, anything new and exciting your way that you want to uh, share with the with the listeners, and then you can uh, wrap up by uh, letting the folks know how they can reach out? You know, what we're doing, we're starting to look at, um, you know, and we're using, we're using TrackMan because they can, they can help us to just, you know, get the data for each swing. But I'm really starting to look right. at, at um, you know, different swing types, and, and based in the numbers, you know, if we make changes – you know, what, what changes create what differences? And so we're just kind of trying yep. to look at swings and picking them apart and say, hey, if we've got this type of swing and we do this, what happens? And if we do this, mm-hmm. what happens? You know, so just kind of experimenting around with golf swings. I mean, it's always been a, a fun thing for me to do. I've always tinkered with mine. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, as I've always said, my golf swings are a work in progress. And so, um, right. you know, we're always trying to find out the simplest way to do it. But I'm also doing a lot of investigating, you know, just, just on the what we were talking about tonight. I mean, I just talked to a facility that they actually, the driving force behind the facility is their banquet center. The banquet center makes right. more money than the golf course and the restaurant with yep. all the weddings, anniversaries. I mean, so there's a whole other avenue. So I'm kind of using that from not only a facility standpoint, but a golf instructional standpoint, just, just reaching out to – different instructors and trying to find out, you know, what are they doing? What things are successful and how can we continue uh, as a group to move this game forward? Because, you know, it's really, as you said, it's really going sideways, but 
you know, hey, they can reach me at plainsimplegolf.com. That's P-L-A-N-E. This is the plain, plainsimplegolf.com. All my contact info is out there and some other information. Uh, that's just the easiest way to get a hold of me. So, But I really appreciate it, Ted. It's always great being on. And, and as I've said before, you know, it's a it's a great thing that you're doing. So we're we're really uh, thrilled that you're, you have this platform and allow us to come in and do this. Well, Pete, as always, uh, again, I thank you for uh, for joining me on Coach's Corner, and uh, you and Clint and, and all of the uh, other many great uh, coaches do a fantastic job uh, each week, and, and I obviously get a great amount of enjoyment. And, you know, the, the, the real purpose of it is not just to educate the consumers out there, but it's also for us uh, as golf professionals to help maybe exchange yeah. some ideas, and hopefully we, we've done a few of them here tonight. But, uh, you know, that's another great way, and and being able to, to sort of come together and saying, hey, you know what, we want to help one another and, and uh, continue to grow this business, and here's some ways that maybe have been successful for me or, or what have you. So, um, Pete, as always, thank you, and, and keep up the great work, and I look forward to uh, having you join me the next time on the Coach's Corner panel. Have a great weekend, and happy 4th of July. All right, you too, Ted. Yeah, yeah, same, same. All Thanks right. a lot. All yeah. right, good night. All right, that was uh, another great uh, golf professional here in the Coach's Corner panel, uh, Pete Buchanan. Uh, a special thank you again to both Clint and Pete for, for joining me here on the Coach's Corner panel. Always do a fantastic job, as do uh, all of the uh, great coaches that are here. And uh, we have a lot of fun, and uh, every once in a while we even have a few laughs. So it's, it's always a pleasure uh, having these guys join me. And uh, Let me just, uh, before I... Uh, um, bring on my uh, my special guest this evening let me just remind everybody of course we are live uh, every thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m central here on the blogtalkradio.com network and of course the best way to find us is go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live or just simply type golf talk live uh, up in the search key and that will uh, take you there and and uh, we're always front and center uh, during the live broadcast but for some reason if you're not able to join us live not to worry just scroll down the page uh, a little bit and you'll come across the on demand section and uh, you can visit that link anytime when it's convenient for you, of course, uh, from anywhere uh, around the globe. And um, you, you can listen to the show in its recorded version. Uh, always some great information uh, um, and some inter- interesting guests that I uh, have gotten to interview here over the last uh, five or six years. And uh, so there's a lot of great archive uh, section in there to, to choose from. So make sure you go back and, and listen to some of the shows. Maybe you've listened to them already. Uh, never hurts to, uh, to go back and listen again, especially the Coach's Corner panel, some great discussions over the past several years. Uh, and also uh, some other great social media platforms that you can tune into the show. Go to iTunes.com, Stitcher.com, and, of course, TuneIn.com. And, again, just type in Golf Talk Live, and uh, that will take you there as well. So uh, also some great ways to – uh, get updates on the show. Of course, every week I update on a number of uh, Facebook pages. My personal page, which of course is Ted Odorico, and it's O-D-O-R-I-C-O is the correct spelling. Uh, you can follow me there. Uh, also, also on the Golf Talk Live blog uh, page there on uh, Facebook as well. Uh, the coach, there's a coach, uh, Coach's Corner excuse me, page uh, and also a company page there as well that you can follow. Uh, also on other platforms, social media platforms, LinkedIn.com under my personal name again. Uh, I post every week there who's going to be on the show, on the panel discussion, who my special guest is going to be. So uh, you can also find it through link, uh, LinkedIn. And also uh, Twitter. For those of you following me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is Ted and Buck CEO, and CEO is in capital letters. And as always, thank you for uh, some of the recent followers. Uh, on uh, on Twitter as well. All right, let me tell you about my special guest tonight. Uh, he's a, a fellow Canadian, uh, so I'm very uh, excited for a number of reasons uh, to have him on the show. 
he's a 25-plus year professional uh, golf instructor, and he was a member of the PGA of Canada uh, from 1996 to 2017. And uh, he also is the author and creator of Center of Gravity Golf, uh, Get Your Swing in Gear, instructional book, and video series. Uh, great golf professional. I had uh, the opportunity to talk with him the other evening uh, on the phone and just had uh, some very interesting stories to share. So we're going to talk to him uh, about uh, Center of Gravity Golf, but uh, we're going to talk just a little bit about his background here. So let me help uh, welcome my very special guest this evening, Rob Bernard. Hey, Ted, how are you? Uh, Good evening. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Welcome to Golf Talk Live. Well, thank you very much, and thanks for inviting me on. I really appreciate this opportunity. I appreciate it. Um, so, Rob, I thought what we would do before we, we get into uh, Center of Gravity Golf, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, I wanted to give the folks, I like to do this, especially with a new guest that's never been on the show, is give them an opportunity just to uh, tell a little bit about their story, their journey, how they got into golf and that sort of thing. So, uh, first and foremost, uh, uh, as you told me the other night, you were actually uh, born and raised in PEI, which is uh, an island out on the east coast of Canada. Um, and we'll talk about your journey across Canada a little bit uh, as well. But um, how did you get into golf? What, what started you? Well, that, that's, that's a funny story, Ted, because uh, I, I never played golf as a junior, and I was a hockey player. Uh, I was a hockey player as a, as a young young man coming up and. Uh, after I, my hockey career was over, in my first year of university, I, I, took, I took a first year of university at University of Prince Edward Island, and uh, I had nothing to do, so I joined the local golf club at Belvedere. Uh, Belvedere Golf Club in Charlottetown, a private club there. Joined the golf club, and uh, the first year I was there, I think I played 100 rounds of golf, fell in love with the game, and that's where it all started, actually. So, I mean, and, and that's interesting because, you know, a lot of, like for myself, I started very, very young. I was a little earlier than seven years old when mm -hmm. my father uh, took me out. So I was, uh, you know, very, very young, but, uh, you came up a little bit later in life, but obviously still got bitten by the bug and, and, uh, and sort of, as they say, the rest is history. But, um, yeah. so once you kind of, yeah, once you kind of got bitten by the bug and you enjoyed playing, there had to become a, a sort of conversation or dialogue with yourself where you said, okay, hey, you know what? I want to be able to teach others. So what prompted you to move to that end of, of the golf industry? Well, that, that, that's great, Ken. You know, uh, I've, always, I've always enjoyed uh, teaching. And uh, what happened was I, I moved from, uh, from Prince Edward Island to Ottawa, Ontario, in the, uh, the mid-'80s. And I was playing golf with a few friends of mine, and I was, I was kind of showing them a few shots. And one of, one, of my friends, uh, one of my friends actually said to me, he said, you missed your calling, Rob. You, sh you should be a golf instructor. And I took that to heart, you know. And uh, a few years later, I uh, relocated to Lethbridge, Alberta. And uh, lo and behold, uh, that's where the college was, the PGM College. So I went down and enrolled in the PGM College, and uh, for my first uh, for my first crack at the uh, at the PG at the PGA, and uh, that was it. it was 1994, I believe, when that happened. And I went through the went through the three years of the uh, of the PGM course, and uh, and then that's that's where it all started. So uh, very 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 fortunate to uh, to stumble into that uh, that situation at that time. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, a lot of uh, you know, we look at a lot of the tour players, Nat, and and some of them you know, after their, their careers are sort of finished, some of them will, will transition to teaching or, um, uh, or go into other businesses and that. But, you know, you weren't somebody that, that you know, went out on tour first and, and, or, or necessarily played in, in a lot of mini tours and then decided, well, I'm going to teach instead. Um, you were actually doing other things, and at some point along the way you decided, 
uh, an opportunity present itself that, um, you know, hey, I want to get out there and I want to help some others learn this great game that you obviously fell in love with uh, that you were playing. And, and obviously, as I said, the rest is history. Now, you also shared things story, and maybe you can uh, tell the folks a little bit about how this came <laughs> about. And this will sort of lead into um, our discussion about um, uh, Center of, of Gravity Golf. Um, but you worked for a cruise line uh, or on a cruise line for a little while. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about the story, how that came about, and uh, and what you were doing there. You know, that's uh, yeah, that, that's about uh, that's getting toward the end of the story. It's a it's a it's a tremendous uh, it's a tremendous story actually. It was after I finished my three years uh, at, at the college, uh, I got my first professional job up in Sparwood, BC, and uh, I was invited back to teach to teach at the program in Lethbridge. So I taught the program in Lethbridge for a couple of years and developed some curriculum for the third year program. Uh, moved, then moved, uh, then got an opportunity to move back to Prince Edward Island and uh, became the head pro at the first club that I joined there at Belvedere Golf Club. So I, was, uh, up, I had the opportunity to be the head pro at Belvedere for five years. So while I was at, the, while I was at, uh, at Belvedere, um, I had an opportunity. I got a call from a gentleman in Florida from a, a company called Elite Golf Cruises out of Fort Lauderdale asking if I would be interested in taking a job on a cruise ship. Well, I thought, you know, uh, gee, that might be a neat idea. I wonder how it works. So we talked a little bit, and he said, oh, you go for six months at a time. And I said, well, you know, I don't know if my, uh, my partner at the time would like that. You know, we just bought a house. We just did this and that. He said, oh, no, no, take, take her with you. Take her with you, and you can travel together. Well, we still, uh, I still didn't uh, realize how, how good it was going to be. So I said, listen, um, uh, let, let me go on a, on a week cruise and see what it's all like. So they sent me down to New York and they put me on a ship and we went down to Port, I think it was uh, down the Caribbean for a week and came back. When I came back home to, to see Joanne, I said, you know what? I said, I think this would be a great opportunity for us, Joe, and I think we should take, take the plunge. So we really did take the plunge. We sold our house, sold the car, sold everything we had, and uh, we jumped on a ship uh, in Dover, England. Uh, was our first run running up to, up through the, uh, yeah, right up through the, uh, up through the Netherlands, right up, right up to St. Petersburg, Russia and back. And uh, we had a, just a tremendous run up there. And then, of course, then it, it started from there. But uh, the, uh, the opportunity that was, that was given to us on board, on board those cruise ships was absolutely tremendous. And uh, I know that uh, some guys think that uh, it's kind of a cushy job, but, but I'll tell you, it, it's an opportunity <laughs> of a lifetime if you want to take advantage of it. It really is. I think we stay at least at 50 countries, I believe, and uh, uh, so just saw the world. And our first year, actually, Ted, we stayed on for an entire year. Uh, we did... Uh, we did up to Russia, then we did the crossing from um, we did the crossing from uh, Cork in Ireland. We did the Titanic crossing back into New York, <clears throat> and from there we decided we were going to stay on and go down into the Caribbean. So we went down to the Caribbean and stayed down there for six months. We were on for an entire year the first time. We had so much fun. And we took a few months off, and then we were back at it the next year. It was just a, an opportunity that was uh, beyond our belief. So uh, we took full advantage of it. Well, and, and what's interesting, um, you know, Rob, about that is obviously, uh, unlike traditional golf, um, you had a very captive audience. I mean, you've got a cruise ship there of, of you know, depending on various size, it, it you know, it could be several thousand passengers. And obviously, you're not necessarily going to be teaching to all of them. Um, but as you're sailing to whatever uh, destination, there's a, a very, um, and, and this was something we talked about earlier on the Coach's Corner panel tonight, was really some of the things that the golf industry really needs to do in order to keep up with the times. I mean, as you know, we've got the millennials out there and, and, and generation X and, and all this coming up and, and it's very difficult sometimes to get them to come out to the golf course because they just don't see it as 
um, something for them. Uh, you know, we're competing with so many, right. not only other sports, but other, other social media and things like that. So here you've got an opportunity on a cruise ship to really have a capital audience or a captive audience, excuse me. So you have to be very creative in order to entice them to, to come and do it. So what were, so what were some of the things that you did uh, uh, or saw when you were first getting on the cruise ship um, to, to help get people interested, fired up and, and to come and take lessons or to maybe do a clinic with you uh, on board? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that, that, that's a funny story because uh, when we first got to England, uh, we were on a celebrity ship and uh, we had a beautiful, I had a beautiful pro shop uh, with a golf simulator. That was my, that was my teaching was the golf simulator. Uh, and I had a pro shop where I could sell equipment and whatnot. We had uh, Nike equipment on board for sale. So uh, when I got on board the ship and got up and we got sailing, I realized very quickly that my simulator was broke. And uh, sailing in the North Sea, uh, very difficult to get parts from the U.S. So uh, I was out there. I was out there six months with with no money maker. So the first thing I said to Joanne, I said, "Well, I think I think we better call the cruise director and say we better put on a we better put on a seminar, try to get some people in here because I want to sell some golf, right?" So when we stopped at the ports, I would take uh, anybody who wanted to come golfing on a tour, come golfing with us. So in order to do that, what I said, okay, let's get the cruise director and say, let's, uh, let's put on a seminar. So the first thing we put on the seminar, I had 15 chairs inside of my room. That's all I had room for. So we filled the 15 chairs, and I started talking about uh, how I felt that would be the best way to get this across to a, a whole number of people from all different nationalities around the world. People who couldn't speak the language, it was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was incredible. The first day, I think we had 16 or 17 in the room, a couple of people standing. And then the next day, I said, I'm going to, do, I'm going to follow this up tomorrow with, with more on this. The next day, we had 45 people. There was 15 inside the room and 30-some standing outside. And uh, so the wow. food director came by and said, wow, uh, we better do something about this. So by the fourth day on board the ship, we were in a 150-seat theater. And I filled that theater three days a week. And just while I was developing my pitch on what I was doing. So, so uh, and what it did for me was it, it really, uh, what, I, what I was doing it for was to sell golf tours. I didn't have any book written. I didn't have any videos done. This was all brand new to me. So uh, one day after one of the shows, uh, a gentleman came up and he said, where can I buy your video? I said, I haven't got a video. He said, well, you better make one because I could sell 15 of them right here today. So I said, okay. So, and then we started thinking about, okay, I got to put this, I got to put this show together. So what I did, I started to put the show together. I started to make it a little bit more professional. I got some, uh, I did some slides. I did, I did some audio and and uh, some visual effects. And uh, and I started to build, I started to build a show. So by the time we got down to the Caribbean, and I was on a big princess ship then, like you said, five thousand people every week. And uh, I developed right. into, I developed three, I developed three shows, uh, three one-hour presentations on board the ship uh, that uh, that would not only uh, was designed to sell golf tours. But during that time, I, I had filmed I had filmed a video, a uh, fairly crude one. The first one was fairly crude. <clears throat> filmed it inside the Princess Theater, an 800-seat theater, and there was me and three cameramen in the theater during the lunch hour uh, or during the during the during a uh, during a tour stop. So I was talking to nobody in an 800-seat theater uh, for for three hours. So we had a we had a fun time doing that. I saw those videos, and and uh, lo and behold, uh, next year I decided, well, I better write my book. So I took I took some time down and, re- and wrote the book, and the book is uh, only 150 pages long. It's uh, it's very concise, and uh, uh, what we did then is uh, once we got out of Princess, uh, we were doing uh, 350 people a day, three days a week for five years in that in that uh, theater, and we had we just had so much fun doing it. Uh, after I developed after I developed, got the new book written, 
uh, we rebranded, made everything, made everything nice and pretty. And when I got back on land, of course, I reshot the videos in high definition. And uh, now we've got a tremendous, tremendous product that's available online. So the uh, the, the story about, the story about how this thing was developed uh, would be way too long for this show, but it, uh, I'll tell you, it was it was quite a ride. It was um, it took us uh, it took us about took me about uh, seven years to get the thing uh, completely where I wanted it. Uh, but but the proof right. was in the pudding uh, when we when we got on when I got on stage and, and started talking about this program, uh, people just signed up for golf and, uh, and and bought the program and it was it was just a tremendous tremendous experience. Let me ask you be, before we get into talking about your program a little bit. This sure. what you just said raises raises a very interesting question. As I mentioned a moment ago, uh, you know the, the previous hour segment we have uh, I have a coaches corner panel where where other golf, sure. fellow golf professionals come on. And we'll, we talk about different things going on in the industry and that. And right. really one, one of the problems that I think that the industry has had for a long time is sort of a traditional mindset where, you know, we come into the golf course in the morning, we open the doors and, you know, people come to play golf, but they're not really doing anything very creative uh, in order to really entice people, it's either you know cheaper golf uh, discounted rounds or uh, you know block lessons at a cheaper rate in order to try and generate revenue. But they're not really doing anything creative. What do you think exactly. the industry, in your in, yeah, in your opinion, based on what you've learned building this this particular program that you've got, and we'll talk about that in a moment. What do you think the uh-huh. industry needs to do in order to really grow this game? <clears throat> Well, you know, Ted, that, that's a, that's that's the hot question right now. And you know, I'm involved in a few golf forums, a uh, few golf forums, and we, we thousands of golf professionals. We talk about this all the time. And uh, what I believe, what I what I think, and you're absolutely right. You know, the uh, used to be used to be just open the doors and people would come. You know, back in the days, back in the days of the, the, the Earl Palmer and Jack Nicklaus days uh, when golf was good. And then all of a sudden, Tiger Woods came along and everything boomed. And I believe that uh, you know. Uh, uh, it, it seemed to me like that people just stopped trying. They're just kind of just waiting for waiting for the people to come to the golf course. And and these days it's not happening like that anymore. And I and I truly believe it's because of the personal the personal contact. This uh, the in the age of the internet and everything's on your phone. And everybody's looking at a screen. And everybody and nobody's really connecting one on one as much as we used to as as people. And I, I think that's what the success of my program was was that I got to get on stage and connect with 300 people. You know, in an hour. And uh, it just makes all the difference in the world. And I think, uh, I think sure. in order to uh, make, a, make a big change in the game, I think we need more personal connection. And I think we need to really go out and, and recruit. I don't think we can afford to wait for people to come anymore. I think we have to go and get them. And I think the way we go and get them yeah. is that we put on some, we put on some events and, and start to connect with some people and show them how really, how really uh, easy it is to be able to learn to play the game uh, to, a, to a point where you can enjoy yourself and not be frustrated and continue to improve at your own pace. You know, um, yeah. uh, most of the, I believe most of the, uh, most of what I see online and most of what I hear is geared toward the tour player and geared toward the low yeah. handicap or the plus, plus handicap player. And really like 95 to 98% of us out here uh, uh, really just want to go out there and have some fun. You know, uh, golf is a tremendous, is it like it's a, the debate whether it's a sport or a game? Uh, it used to be a sport for me, and now it's more of a game. I play golf for much different reasons today than I did when I was 30, you know. So, uh, right. so I believe it's more of a game, and, and uh, I believe 
you get out there and enjoy yourself and enjoy the outside, get away from your phone for a few hours, get in touch with some of your friends, get to, get to, get to talk and, and learn to enjoy the game and play the game. And I think that's what's going to bring it back. And I think it's the personal one-on-one, uh, personal, person, the personal touch. I believe that's what's going to happen. That has to happen. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, social media and technology advancements have certainly helped uh, the game serve the game in, in in many positive ways. But it has also, yeah. I believe, have have hurt the game. Yeah, it, it has hurt the game as well because uh, there's a lot of coaches and a lot of uh, teaching pros out there that re- I think rely too heavily on the technology to drive their business, and there's not that personal touch, and and that's becoming in every business, not just the golf industry, but the golf industry has sort of a double whammy, if you will, because technology has, has been really driving the industry for, for the last several years. But also, golf can be, uh, for some, can be difficult and tough because they're trying to learn something that obviously you have to put a little – it's not like kicking a soccer ball or, or hitting you know, a, a tennis ball. Uh, you know, there's a little bit more involved in it in understanding the fundamentals. And I think what has happened, Rob, in the industry is it's become – so numbers or statistic driven that people just get confused and just drop out of the game because they just can't understand what's going on and they're not improving and they're not seeing results. So brings me to your program, uh, center of gravity golf. The reason why, uh, obviously when I, when I first came across your profile and I saw this, it intrigued me because, you know, there's a lot of great methods out there and we always hear about this. Um, but yours is really a very simple and basic uh, common sense approach. So just give me a very quick, and then we'll get into more of the meat potatoes, but give me a very sort of broad overview of what center of, of uh, gravity golf is. Yeah, absolutely. Ted. The first thing I want to touch on uh, is what you talked about technology. Uh, there's a lot of great technology out there. You know, if these, uh, these track bands, flight scopes and everything that they have, you know, and all the biomechanics and things that the guys are studying. And there's been some really, really smart golf pros out there, uh, but a lot smarter than me, obviously. They, uh, and this technology, I, I don't understand. I've, I've been in the, in, the, in the game for 25 years, and a lot of that stuff just, just I, don't, I don't understand it. And, and it, it wouldn't help me, I, I don't believe. So I don't really believe it would help the client that, that, I'm, that I'm looking for either. You know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not discounting the technology. There certainly, is a, there certainly is a place for it, and there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of people out there who, who really enjoy the technology and enjoy those numbers. Uh, but I, what I'm finding is that uh, the 95% of the clientele that we're looking for want the simplicity and it's the simplicity that 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 helps uh, that helps them uh, improve very quickly and uh, uh, enjoy the game and a lot more smiles on their face quickly so we're talking about center of gravity golf well center of gravity golf was really was really born out of necessity because i really did believe and i still do believe that the golf swing is tremendously overanalyzed overthought and overtaught and uh i think the simplicity the simplistic approach not only the simplistic approach ted but a consistent approach to the message and that's what I believe is not is missing in the golf industry is a consistent message uh, for instruction. You know, and I'm, I'm not going to discount anybody's methods or anybody's, anybody's philosophies, but if you open a golf magazine and you have a chipping tip on page 25 that says this, and you have a chipping tip from another pro on page 27 that says something different, that creates doubt in the minds of, in the minds of a golfer. So what I stress sure. with, my, with my instructors is that, the message is always the same. It's a very consistent message from pro, from instructor to instructor. So if, uh, if somebody who's working with me wants to go and see my, my, my man, Doug, you know, and he, I know that Doug's gonna, not going to confuse the, 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 the client, he's going to say exactly the same thing that I'm saying. 
So I think that kind of approach, you know, a, a unified system, uh, something that people can can uh, can sink their teeth into and believe in, and also uh, something that has a distinct beginning, middle, and end. I really don't believe there should be endless golf lessons. I, we have, on our program is six hours long. After six hours, you we're not going to teach. We have nothing else to teach you. After six hours, now you right. can uh, maybe get into a coaching package and and uh, and start uh, start to solidify. Uh, what you've learned already, instead of trying to throw extra stuff in. So uh, the simplicity of the program and, and the way it's broken down and the consistency of the message, I believe, is the is the meat and potatoes of uh, what I believe the golf industry needs, number one, and exactly and exactly what Center of Gravity Golf delivers. Does that answer your question? Uh, and something – yeah, you answered it. That was perfect. Um, so, so, Rob, something I want to ask you about uh, – there's two parts to this, really. The first part is obviously um, – what you've done through the program is to, to really emphasize the proper sequence of, of a three uh, piece golf swing. That's number one that I want to ask you about. Um, but also what, what intrigued me as well is um, that the, uh, the COGG we'll call it for short um, sure. program has really re- reduced the entire story uh, of your golf swing uh, down to basically six words um, <laughs> to, to help the, the folks understand. Exactly right. So we're going to break those down. We're going to break those down in a, in a moment. But, uh, sure. again, talk about the three-piece uh, golf swing. Explain for those that maybe are new to golf that don't understand what you mean by that. Okay, uh, thanks, Dan. Well, the first, the first thing I want to talk about and the first thing we do is we set the fundamentals because without the fundamentals, it doesn't matter how pretty your swing is or how much your clubs cost, uh, you're not going to be able to enjoy yourself on the golf course. So the first thing we right. talk about, uh, Ted, is the fundamentals, which I, I call fingers, feet, and face, the three Fs. And once we understand <clears throat> how to create what I call the center of gravity triangle, which is where this entire program was born, uh, that, uh, once we understand how to create that and sustain that triangle, which takes about an hour, and uh, our, 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 um, our uh, experience with it is uh, within the first hour, the, um, the, uh, once they understand how to, how to stay still and how to, uh, how to control what we call control the center of gravity, uh, they'll be able to get the ball in the air very consistently. And that's the start of it. Once we understand, once we get the program, once we get their uh, their fundamentals done, uh, then we move into the three piece pro- three piece golf swing. And I call it a three piece golf swing as a, in a sequence, and uh, I call it the push, the engine, and the piston. So what I what I'm trying to do with the, is just try to paint a picture to the client that uh, how to get the club away from your body. Now all we we always say takeaway. We always say all the pros and what I used to say it myself. So you know you have takeaway. Take the club away. But take uh, the word take implies implies a, a pull with the with the right hand or a pull with your with your trail side hand or your dominant hand to take something from somebody. Right. But change the terminology from take to push. And what I do is I take you push the handle of the club in a straight line away from your body, and then, then let it then let it follow to uh, to the top of your swing naturally. That will find your natural swing plane. So therefore, none of our none of my coaches, none of my instructors ever try to set you into a position that they think you should be like this is like what Rory McIlroy does or this is how Dustin Johnson does it what we want to do I want you to do it the way you do it and if you push that golf club with your boss fingers the problem the boss fingers to the back to in a straight line to the top of your swing it will hit your swing plane 100 percent of the time and that way you don't have to worry about uh you don't have to worry worry what worry about where the top of your swing is uh it's always going to hit your your spot and you're going to be comfortable doing it so that takes away a lot of pressure from uh where you want to be at the top of your swing or are you on plane or how do I get there? It all happens very, very quickly and very automatically 
if they push that golf club with their boss in a straight line away from the golf club to the top of their swing. When they push right. the club to the top of the swing, it also does another thing. It turns their engine on, what I call turn their engine on, which turns their body away from the turns their body away from away from the away from the golf club, away from the golf ball, and turns what I call their belt buckle to the to the uh, trail side of the ball, which gives them gives them an opportunity to turn back, which is the engine part of the golf swing. Now the engine part of the golf swing is just turning your body uh, back to the target, turning your belt buckle back to the target, and allowing the golf club to follow you. And uh, the piston is, is what I call the release. That's what I call the release of the piston. So what I equate it to is uh, if anybody ever driven a car, you know that the engine, it, it, the engine turns over before the piston fires. So when the engine turns over, right. then the piston fires, and the piston is the explosion that gets the car off the line or gets the golf ball off the club base and, and flying straight and, straight and far. It's a very, uh, um, very simple, uh, very uh, unique, and uh, very uh, rememberable and uh, e- easy to implement and easy to remember. Uh, it happens tremendously quickly. So they understand what it feels like to swing the golf club in sync, right? So that's uh, basically right. it, it, that takes about an hour. So the first hour we work on the fundamentals. Second hour we work on uh, what's called the, the three-piece golf swing to push the engine and the pistol. And after those two hours are over, uh, we really have nothing else to teach you about the golf swing, uh, except in the third hour, then we teach you the geometry of setting up the driver and setting up the fairway wood. So our, every swing basically is the same. You only have to learn one thing, one swing, and then we understand, then we teach them how to, geom- how to set up the geometry uh, for the driver and the fairway wood. So the three-hour full swing program uh, becomes tremendously simple, and uh, the effectiveness of it is, well, beyond beyond our belief uh, at the moment. So yeah, we're very happy with the results of it. What's very interesting, um, and thank you for that, Rob. What's very interesting about what you've just um, relayed to to the audience is that you specifically are looking to create their swing. In other words, you're not trying to manipulate exactly. your students into swinging like Nick Faldo, let's say, or Ernie no. Els or Freddie Couples or somebody else. What you're doing is giving them the core presentation to help them understand how their body works. Uh, but again, it's their body because everybody, as you know, Rob, everybody's uniquely different. Uh, I happen to be uh, a tall, uh, you know, I'm a tall person. I'm six foot four and very mm-hmm. long in the legs. What might work for me may not necessarily work for you or another player. And one of the problems that the industry has had for a long time here in, in recent times is and again I'm like you I'm not knocking any one method it may work for some golfers oh. but the industry has tried to sort of pigeonhole everybody into one method or another in other words swing like this or you've got to be over this way in order to have your A game and the problem with that mm-hmm. is not everybody fits into that mold so what you've tried to do is you found a, a very creative way to explain basically how the golf swing works in a relatable and what's very um uh, and I want to point this out for the audience tuning in tonight. What's very interesting is the way you've laid it out. There's a lot of visual cues that people can pick up from the words that you're using that they can relate to. And that's very important because there's a lot of people, myself included, that are visual learners. So even though they're not necessarily seeing something on a video or necessarily what you're showing them, mm-hmm. but the words that you're using is giving them a visual uh, of what you're just talking about, so they can use that when they go away from the uh, from you or or out in the golf course by themselves. They've got those visual cues based on the words that you're describing. Correct? 
That's absolutely correct, and that's exactly the way I designed it. And you're absolutely right about about uh, about each each everybody's different. I call, I, I tell everybody we're exactly the same, only totally different. You know, we have two arms, two legs. Right. Everything works the same, but we have physical limitations. You know, since I'm a little bit older now, sure. my body doesn't work like it did when it was 30. Uh, but but if you understand that your body will do what your body wants to do, and it will repeat that, and that's the important thing, it will repeat that. If you're not physically trying to place the golf club in a specific position, if you're not physically trying to do something that your body doesn't like to do or hurts to do, then you'll never repeat that on a golf course. So it doesn't matter, like I said, if, uh, it, and it works for all people, all sizes, all, all, all uh, uh, you know, tall, short, big, small. It really doesn't matter. Man, woman, it really doesn't matter. Because what we're doing is we're uh, showing you uh, what your body can do, what your body can do uh, uh, for you by, by, by allowing you to swing the golf club with your body and not trying to make, and not trying to make you into somebody else. And I believe that's what uh, most of our clients are very, uh, or all of our clients are very pleased about is that I'm not trying to change their golf swing. You know, I'm trying to build their golf swing and show them how to build their golf swing. Now the sequence, like you said, the sequence, the push ins and the piston, uh, that was to paint the picture for them. That's exactly right. And uh, once they understand, okay, this is the sequence, the engine has to turn before the piston fires. That means you have to turn your, you have to get your your body around before you release the golf club, you know. Uh, uh, that that really paints the picture for them, and and it's uh, it's amazing, uh, Ted. I wish you, I could see you on the range. It's amazing how quickly this happens for people, you know. It's it's within sometimes within three or four minutes they've hit shots they never hit before in their lives, simply because they understand the stability of it and they understand the sequence and how mm-hmm. the sequence works. After that's done. All we do from then on in is we just keep drilling the same things. We don't add anything or take anything away. It's uh, we understand exactly what each miss is, and that's another thing about the program, Ted. That uh, that I'd like to that I'd like to tell you that um, everything we tell them, everything we show them, we we explain why or what happens when this happens. So if they hit a thin shot, they'll know why. If they hit a fat shot, they know exactly what happened. So they can start self-correcting, and they don't need to run back to the pro all the time for for extra lessons. Now, a lot of pros tell me, well, geez, you don't want that. You want them coming back to you, don't you? And I say, no, not really. I want them coming back to me for a little tune-up now and again. I want them coming back to me with a whole bunch of their friends. That's what I want. I want them out playing golf, spending their money on the golf course, rather than trying to spend money for 15 years taking golf lessons. And that's been my philosophy from the first, and it's, it's, it works out uh, tremendously well for us over the last few years, over the last eight or ten years. You're exactly right, and that was something else that we talked a little bit earlier tonight on the panel discussion was the fact that you know people need to be able to see results, and this is another reason why the numbers uh, – I mean, there's obviously other factors involved as well, time and cost, but uh, one of the reasons there has been a decline, particularly here in the United States, uh, with, uh, with some of our golfers is out of frustration. Uh, you know, they've taken lessons for years. You know, they've worked yeah. with some great professionals – and but mm-hmm. they're not i mean they're not getting a lot of improvement and and i and i think from from listening to you what what i'm hearing is as much as you want to be able to work with people you don't want to get in a situation where they're sort of caught in a in a, a like a hamster going around in a wheel and never getting anywhere not seeing any results just doing the same thing over and over and again but not getting any results so what you've done is you've cre- you've created a system to allow uh-huh. them to have something that's repeatable, but yes. that's going to give them success over time. Um, obviously, depending on what time they want to invest, but but ultimately, right. you're not trying to 
constantly make changes. You're giving them the core fundamentals that they can work with. Mm -hmm. And depending on how much time they want to invest and working on some of these things is what's going to give them ultimately the, the, uh, the key results. Correct. You're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. And you're talking about time and time and cost there a little bit earlier. And uh, uh, the time for the time, the the time where where we get a a beginner on on the lesson T to, to when they're, they're uh, actually capable or, uh, um, or comfortable enough to go out on the golf course with their friends uh, takes about six hours. You know, then they have, they have knowledge on every little part of the game that they need to have knowledge on and they will be able to, uh, they would be able to um, get themselves around the golf course and and have some fun at it. Uh, I always tell them the better you get at fingers, feet, face, the better you get because that's your stability. So we work a lot on the fundamentals and uh, I was funny. I watched the, I watched the golf talk live with Kelly Tillman and and Arnold Palmer a few years ago. And, uh, and Kelly was asking him. She said, uh, "She said to him, now for a beginner golfer, what would you think, uh, Arnold? What should they be working on?" And Arnold said, "Well, if I was a beginner golfer and I was, uh, and uh, I needed to get better, what I'd work on is my fundamentals. I would make sure my fundamentals are very solid." And then she asked him about a mid handicap. What about a mid handicap? What would they be working on? He said, "Well, if I was a mid handicapper, the best thing I'd be working on in order to become better would be my fundamentals. If my fundamentals get better, I get better all the time." And then she said, "Well, at the pro." What do you work on as a pro when you're on the driving range? And Arnold Palmer said to her, well, Kelly, on the driving range, I work on my fundamentals because that's, the, you know, if my right. fundamentals are good, I know my game is going to be good. So that's what we tracked. And we broke the fundamentals down into three things, fingers, face, face, it creates a triangle, the center of gravity triangle. And the better the people get at that, and once they understand that, just the better they get. Now, our, our practice schedules, yep. you know, I only have to get 60 balls in a practice schedule to get this through. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's amazing to see how quickly uh, this happens, you know, and uh, within three or four swings, you know, they'll hit shots they've never hit before once they understand how those fundamentals work. Then when we get them into the full swing, we get them into the sequence, then they've hit shots like they've never hit before, you know, long and straight and get some spin on them and and be able to now be able to play the game. And that's what most people want, Ted. They want to be able to play the game and have fun with their friends. And if I can get you from 120 to 85, you know, in in one short season or, or less than a season, then I've done my job, and uh, and then your job as my client is to go and tell all your friends what kind of a job we did, so we get all their friends. So our uh, our entire philosophy is get more people playing golf and get them playing golf as as quickly as we can, and get them having fun as quickly as we can. Because once they're having once they're having fun, then the industry is going to change. Yeah, you're you're exactly right, and that's a, that's a great philosophy, Rob, to have, yeah. and a great attitude to have as well. You're exactly right because. One of the biggest complaints that I hear uh, from a lot of golfers, various ages, is that the game is being made too difficult. With all this technology that we've got and all the advancements, mm-hmm. the game has actually gotten harder for most people to learn because now they're they're not only thinking about you know getting their their arm in this position or or shifting their weight this way. Now they're thinking about all their stats. And what we've actually done <laughs> yeah. is they've got information overload. And they're going away, and they get out in the golf course, and they wonder why, you know, when they get over, over the ball and they're, they're getting ready to, to hit their shot, they've got so many uh-huh. thoughts going through their head that they're standing there for like a minute and a half, and they haven't even hit yeah. the ball yet because they're, well, that's they're thinking too much. Absolutely. Right, exactly. You know, that, that's, the, that's the conscious incompetence stage, and that's where, most, that's where most golfers are right now is in the conscious incompetence stage of, of learning. Uh, where they're conscious of what they're doing and they're, they're so conscious of it that they're incompetent in making it work. 
You know, so the movement from that into the conscious competence stage, which we do immediately, where they're conscious of their fundamentals at first. You know, I've got to know, I've got to know the finger straight face, and once I get that, so once they get in the conscious competence stage, uh, and it's very simple because there's only, like you said, we broke it down. There's only six things, six words is what it is. So once they're in that yeah. conscious competence stage, then they start to play golf. They start to start play play some uh, some good golf, and from there. Uh, the more they work on their fundamentals, they get into the unconscious top of the stage, which is where we all want to be. We just go out and all we're thinking about is our target, and we're not worried about the golf swing, and we're not worried about anything else. That's where that's where professionals are, and that's where low handicappers are, and that's where we need to take the uh, the hundred shooter and the ninety shooter and the eighty five shooter is to bring them into that uh, you know uh, unconscious competence stage uh, where they can actually go out and play the game now. You know in the they talk about learning teaching golf. They say, do you teach golf? Well, uh, teaching the game, playing the game is much different than uh, teaching the golf swing or teaching the, teaching the skill set to play the game. And what we really focus on is the skill set to play the game. Once you have the skill set down, then we can teach you how to go out and attack a golf course and, and really have some fun. And that's, uh, but I think the first stage of it, the first step, has to be learning the skill set in order for you to be able to get yourself around the golf course and play the game the way that it was intended to be played not hitting your driver on every par four and not doing all this, but understanding how to, how to get around the golf course and have some fun. And that's, uh, and that's what we focus on. We focus on the skill set to be able to take them to the next stage, which is uh, learning to play the game. Right, exactly. And let me just add very quickly, you know, since you mentioned, you know, Arnold and, and yeah, Arnold and Jack and, and some of the others, you know, Jack Nicholas, if you remember Jack's video golf, my way, one of the things sure. that he talked about in there, he, you know, they had, uh, you know, we're shooting a video of a portion of him up out on a driving range. And he said, one of the things that he does uh, at the, and obviously I'm talking about a little earlier time. I mean, now the season goes on, you know, pretty much sure. from uh, January to December, but back in, in his earlier times, I mean, they had a break at the end of the year, so he would take time off and do other things. But what he uh-huh. said is at the beginning of the year, before he got uh, out playing on the golf course uh, for any tournaments, is he worked the same as Arnold. He worked on his fundamentals. That's what he worked on every year to sort of get the cobwebs mm-hmm. out, if you will, uh, for mm-hmm. a new season. What he worked on the fundamentals, and that's all he worked on. He didn't make any swing changes mm-hmm. or 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 anything like nope. that. He worked on the core fundamentals. In fact, yeah. um, I, I had a, uh, a a gentleman that was on the show a, a while back, and I can't think of his name offhand, but he he talked about Jack Nicholas that actually one time in his life tried to make a drastic change. He tried to draw the ball. Uh, so he oh. took some lessons from, from somebody else uh, besides Jack Grout. And yeah. it ended up throwing his game off so bad that he went back to his old way and started winning tournaments again. So, you know, he, he played with his game, but he focused mm-hmm. on the fundamentals. He didn't, he try, didn't try to change Absolutely. anything. And this is where I think a lot, of, right, a lot of golfers fall into that trap is they try to make too many changes and then they get frustrated mm-hmm. because now they're not really dealing with their swing anymore. They're dealing with something else that's sort of been manufactured for them, and, and that's where they run into <laughs> a lot of problems. Um, yeah, they're dealing with, they're, you know, trying to deal with somebody else's swing. They're trying to make somebody else's swing happen when, uh, when really all they need to do is learn their own body and how it swings, right? Right, exactly. So, sure. Rob, let me ask you, uh, okay, so we, we talked a little bit um, about your full swing seminar, but you also have – uh, mm-hmm. Two other components. You've got the finesse game and obviously the short game. Talk yeah. a little bit about each of those components, uh, and uh, and then we'll go from there. So talk about the finesse game. What 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 goes on in that seminar? 
Well, you know, that, that is the most fun. And I, I find that the, the, the short game, the finesse game and the short game portion of our program is, is the most fun because that's where we develop a, a plan uh, for them to score, to go out there and actually learn how to score. And um, the finesse game, what I've done with the finesse game is I've taken what, the, what they've learned in the full swing, the one, two, three, the push, engine, piston. And what we do in the finesse game is we break it down into what I call a one, two swing and a one, one swing. So we take, we take one part of it out, so we disengage the piston. If we disengage the piston, then we haven't got that power, right? So now I can talk about just the one power source, which is the engine, and we can start hitting golf balls very specific distances using, uh, using a clock very similar to Dave Pell. Actually, you know, uh, I really like Dave Pell's uh, short, game, short game series. I, read, I tried to read that book. <laughs> it's about 600 pages long. But I'll tell you, there's, there's some stuff in there that's fantastic, but there's a lot of stuff in there that's uh, – a little more science than, than I would like. So I kind of I kind of say, I really right. like Dave uses the clock there. And, and when I use the clock, I call it the 7, 9, and 11. There's only, three, there's only three places on my clock. It's very, very simple. Produces three different shots with exactly the same club, with exactly the same move. So what I'm teaching the client in the short game is not to try to take one club and make up 15 different moves. We teach them how to make one move consistently and learn how to hit at very specific distances using the different clubs in their bag. And we have, uh, with our yep. system, we have, uh, you know, every, every, with our system, what we do with them is uh, once we know, once, once they start using that and they're only hitting it with their one power source, their engine, the ball can only go so far. So then we write that number yep. down, put it on their club, and now they have a very specific distance that they can hit. So uh, the way I discovered this was I went out uh, one time and I was working on this, and I started a disengaged distance so I didn't have any release, no release at all, and just started hitting, the, hitting it with my body, hitting the golf ball with my body. And I noticed, geez, that lands at the same place every time. So I stepped it off, and I put a little red towel out there. And I went back, and I went, okay, that was 25, 25 paces. So I put five balls down, and I did the same thing. Nine o'clock, turn. Not to 12 o'clock, and geez, I hit that little red towel. So I didn't have to stand there all day and hit five, 600 shots. I hit three or four more shots, and then I said, geez, that goes 25. So I just wrote 25 down, and then I went to play. And every time I got between, you know, 30 to 40 to 25, 20 yards from where I was going, I just hit that 25-yard shot, and lo and behold, I was always on the green, and I always had a putt. You know, so I said, there, there's a great way to make, make a spill the system for, uh, for golfers to, uh, to get close to the hole from anywhere around the greens, understanding that they only have to learn one move. They don't have to learn a whole bunch of different things. One move, change the club, and the ball goes a very specific distance. The finesse game, I think, is, is my pride and joy because it really makes a huge difference in people's score, <clears throat> Uh, and how they feel about themselves when they get around the greens. You know, I'll tell them, this, don't worry about bunkers, don't worry about the ponds. You know for a fact that if you go to 9 o'clock when, on your finesse game and turn and finish high, if you make solid contact, that ball's going to fly 25 yards. Of course, it's going to fly 30 yards, it's going to fly 22 yards, but you know for a fact it's going to be on the green. So you don't have to worry about dumping it in the pond or dumping it in the bunker or hitting it over the back. You know for a fact it goes that far. So it gives the client, it gives the golfer tremendous confidence to pull off Many different types of short game shots, uh, simply by understanding how to you how to use that one move, and the moves are very very simple. They're very much simpler than the full swing, and that's why I enjoy that so much. When I go out in the springtime, I'm in Canada here. We only have a few months to golf, so when I get out in the springtime, the right. first thing I do, fundamentals. Every time I go to the range, fundamentals, and then I go to the short game area, and I just fight practice. Like I'm gonna hit this 25 yard, and two or three swings, that goes 25 yard. Though I don't have to work on that anymore. And I can then I can play around and, and do other things. So, the finesse game part portion of the uh, of the system is uh, is my pride and joy. And I think that once people 
get into it and, and, and actually utilize the system. Actually, I tell them on stage, when I'm on stage, I tell them, I can, I'm going to save five shots off your scorecard immediately, and I'm going to tell you why. You know, and I ask them, how many greens of regulation do you hit in a round of golf? And I always go around the room and, and I'd ask people how many greens, and people think, oh, they hit nine or 10 or 11 greens. I said, wow. I said, well, if you're hitting nine, 10, 11 greens and you're shooting in the 90s or 100s, you're either a terrible putter, right, or, uh, or you, can't find, you can't find where you're going. Because the best players in the world only really average about 12 greens in regulation. So right. uh, the amateur player, amateur player averages, about, averages about three. So I said, if I can show you, if I can get you up and down one time, every three times you attempt it at a 15, there's five shots off your game. And I can guarantee we can do that with a short game plan at least once. And then if you get it down up and down two times, well, then you're a different player altogether. You know, so this is what's exciting about it, and this is what my players are so excited about. I have a, I have a couple of good players, a five-time Canadian junior uh, champion that uses my system exclusively, and he said, this is the craziest thing ever. He said, I don't care where I am. I, can, I know how far I can hit. I have to hit it, and I just hit it there by using the system. So that's my pride and joy. And the other one, the putting, and I broke the putting down in. So everything I say from chipping to finesse to pitching and putting, everything fits. One, there's, there's no contradictions. And there's no extra. Everything fits to the next port. So uh, we're always talking about the same things. So it becomes very quickly integrated into uh, into your golf game uh, as as a whole. So that's uh, yeah, that's that's how that that's kind of how that works. Yeah, and and you know Rob. Yeah, and you know Rob, what's interesting about that? I just want to go back for a second. You know, when you talked about the distances. Um, a number of years ago, there was a, a great uh, video that um, had uh, Payne Stewart. Uh, um, oh, I'm trying to think of who it was. Um, Craig Statler and uh, Tom Kite in it, and they talked about various things. And Tom Kite talked about um, that sort of finesse game as well. Uh, he was one of the mm-hmm. first players on the tour that actually used to carry four wedges in his bag. And he talked about, he actually gave a demonstration about the various distances he hit each club. And it was along, again, the same lines as what you're talking about. And he was, you know, at that time, one of the best short game players uh, on the PGA tour during his day. So, uh, and that's why so many people watching him with his short game, why you started seeing more and more pros adding uh, different wedges in that. Again, they had the same swing, but they were hitting uh-huh. with different clubs and obviously getting different distances. And he, he actually recorded it. He actually, on, on the video, uh, put a piece of tape with the different yardages. So he had like three rings uh, on the shaft of his club showing the different yeah. yardages he hit, just to give an ex- example. So, again, when he was faced with scenario at the golf course and he had, let's say, you know, maybe a 75-yard shot, he might have his uh-huh. pitching wedge. He knew how far exactly he needed to take it back. And he'd always hit it at that mm-hmm. distance, you know, give or take a yard, but that distance. And Absolutely. that's important information. And well, there's not you, a lot I'll of swing. Put... Right, right. Trying to make was that the game doesn't have to be as difficult as we all make it. It's just having an understanding of the basics, of the fundamentals, and basically having, mm-hmm. as you pointed out earlier, the tools, having the proper tools to start with. Uh, and understanding. Mm-hmm. And something else that you talked about earlier on, uh, Rob, without actually really coming out and saying it, was really you, you teach them the cause and the effect, why things happen. Mm-hmm. So when they execute right. a shot, why the ball does this or why this happens over here. And that's something mm-hmm. that I think has also been missing in today's modern game is most of the students don't understand 
what's causing the ball to do different things, and that's because they're getting caught up in the numbers again. Uh, what, what are your thoughts there? Well, you're absolutely right. And getting getting back to the, just get, get back to the numbers on the club. If you if you look in my book there, with my short game, you'll notice that uh, I have uh, around the bands of all my wedges, I have four numbers. And all those four, there are some redundant ones, but all those four numbers. If I have to hit a shot 35 yards, uh, I guys like I say to my to my clients, I said I I don't play enough golf, but I know I can't I can't feel 35 yards. I'm not a 25 year pro, and I know you can't feel 35 yards. So what I do is I take the club out of the bag until I see the number that says 35. And then I just hit that corresponding shot, and you know what? That takes so much. Uh, it it, uh, it takes so much of the guesswork out of the game. Uh, so the it gives you so much confidence to hit those short game shots. So I wanted to go there first. And uh, sorry, what was the the second question you asked me? Um, but basically, what I was saying was that you know you t- talked about really um, having. Uh, you know, the players, not just the different uh, numbers and, and distances and understanding that, but uh, I think that a lot of uh, folks, too, just get get caught up in that. And I think that was really one of the points I wanted to make. But um, right. But no, you, 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 you laid it out perfectly. So, Rob, let me let me tell you, because I can't believe this uh, almost an hour zipped by so quickly. This is a great conversation. So thank you for coming on. Yeah. Yeah, it's going quick. I want to give you an opportunity to, to let the folks know if, if they would like to uh, learn more about this, where can they go and where can they get uh, their hot little hands on, on, uh, on this particular program? Well, yeah, well th- thanks for that, Ted. You know, uh, we do have uh, on my website, it's at centerofgravitygolf.com. Uh, right now uh, we, have a, uh, we have a 40% discount for our listeners tonight uh, on, our, on our, uh, our downloadable program. And you can download the book and the video series uh, on that at centerofgravitygolf.com. And uh, and there's a 100% money-back guarantee. I always give a 100% money-back guarantee. Uh, you know, if, if they don't understand it or they don't they don't seem to like how how it works out, not to worry about it. Just uh, just let us know and we'll and we'll refund you for sure. Uh, that doesn't happen, fortunately, but uh, but we offer it we offer it out there anyway. And uh, uh, we're in uh, right now. If they wanted to have some personal, uh, some personal uh, one-on-one time with myself or with my uh, with my vice president and uh, tremendous instructor Doug Denoon, uh we can get that done here in Edmonton, Edmonton, Alberta, where we are right now. Uh, we're looking to expand down into the U.S. sometime soon, and uh, we're hoping to be in a lot of places. Uh, you know, coming coming up pretty pretty quick. But uh, the program itself is uh, tremendously simple. Uh, it's tremendously easy to learn. Uh, the book is only 150 pages long, by the way, and it fits right in your golf bag. You can take it with you. And the videos you can have, they're all in sections. There's 12 segments of video uh, that you can have right on your phone or on your tablet, and you can take that with you, too. If you get caught in a situation you forget, uh, you can always look, look up that little part of the system. Uh, the system is uh, its my pride and joy, and I'll tell you, uh, we've been uh, tremendously successful with it, and we're, we're so happy that uh, we've been able to get on your show and uh, tell, tell more people about, about what we do. And to give us give give it a try because uh, I guarantee uh, I guarantee it that uh, you'll enjoy it and you'll start playing better golf uh, not in a week or a month but uh, I believe immediately uh, once they start uh, in the end of the program. Yeah, and that's key right there, Rob. And uh, what a great way to end the segment. You know, that's that's critical right there because you know uh, as we were talking about earlier, uh, you and I, but also uh, with the group before you. This is a big problem in the industry right now is that a lot of people are frustrated, not even just the consumers, but even some of the pros. Um, they're just finding it difficult to, 
to try to, you know, make it simpler. They're, they're coming up with all different crazy ideas. And the industry, yeah. in my opinion, is really having a battle right now on how do we not only get more people interested in playing, but how do we create a, a system, if you will, to make it easier uh, for people mm-hmm. to understand. And it sounds like you've, you've got a good jump on that, uh, you know, over the years working on your program and obviously it's proven to be very successful for you, and, and uh, congratulations on that, because I know that's not an, always an easy task, but sometimes, you know, Rob, I think sometimes if we just try to keep things as simple as possible and not try to overcomplicate things, sometimes we get the best results. Well, you know, Ted, that's the Occam's razor approach, right? The simplest, the simplest explanation is normally the best one, especially when you're talking yep. to human beings one-on-one, you know, usually the simplest explanation is the best. And before we get, I just wanted to make sure that everybody understood. I have a, I have a code. There's a code to get that discount uh, on, on, the, uh, on the website. And the code is PLAYMORE, P-L-A-Y-M-O-R-E, all one word. Uh, once you get into the checkout, go check out the website. And uh, once you get down there uh, to, the, to the purchase area, if you type in the code PLAYMORE, P-L-A-Y-M-O-R-E, that will get you your 40% discount on, on the system. And I'll tell you what, uh, if, our, if some of the listeners want to go to YouTube, I have a YouTube video. I have a few, few YouTube videos up there. They're doing very well. But one particular is my driver setup video. It's called Best Driver Video. If you go to YouTube and type in Best Driver Video, I think there's 3 million views on it now. And there's 50-some pages of testimonials, which will, uh, which will alert, alert all, all the golfers out there to how fast this system works. I have this, I have this six minutes of my program in this driver setup video. And... Uh, like I said, the, the comments that I get on that every day, and if you go, have to go in and want to read a few of them, there's 50 pages of them, but uh, it's a real testament unto, un, uh, to how simplistic direct instruction works. Simplistic direct instruction. You know, the more you add to something, the more difficult it becomes to digest and the more difficult it becomes to remember. So what we want, we want everybody to remember what they need to do uh, very, very simply uh, and very easy to digest. So... So that's, that's, that's the whole philosophy behind, behind the system, behind the program. And uh, I really would like to see, you know, I, I haven't been on stage for a couple of years, and I'm going to start doing some more stage presentations. And, and uh, we have a lot of fun with, our, with my stage shows. And uh, we're going to try to get, I think we're going to try to get into the, the uh, golf shows here in Alberta this year. Uh, if anybody's up in Alberta, we're going we're to see if we can get into the, state, to the show this year and get a stage. And uh, people will see, uh, see very quickly how, how fun and how easy it is to learn. And, uh, Ted, I really want to thank you for having me on your show. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and your, and your, and your audience. And uh, invite them to go and see Center of Gravity Golf and give it a try. Like I said, what we say at Center of Gravity Golf is, you know, you've got nothing to lose but strokes, right? You've got a money tight guarantee. So right. uh, absolutely go <laughs> give it a try. And, uh, we're, yeah, you've got nothing to lose but strokes at COG. So we're behind you 100%, and uh, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're building a, uh, we're building a, uh, a tribe of, uh, of instructors uh, that deliver the program exactly the way it's written, and that I think that's the key. That's the key to any uh, to any successful program is that it's delivered it's delivered the way it's written, and it's always delivered the same. There's no additions, there's no subtractions. That way, everybody learns the same thing. Everybody's on the same page, and uh, everybody improves very very quickly. And we have more fun in the golf course. So our goal, my goal, is to raise the retention rate of golfers that start the game from one in fifteen to five in fifteen within the next year or two. And that's, that's my ultimate goal, and that's, that's where we're heading. That's perfect. Well, Rob, thank you very much for joining me tonight on, on Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure, and uh, I'm going to have you back on, as we, we talked about the other night, and maybe get a few yeah. of our other uh, Canadian professionals, and we'll have a Canadian night here on Golf Talk Live. But um, um, have a good week. That would be fun, man. That would yeah, be fun. Mark Evershed and a few other guys. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> That'd be we'll get a few of us on here, but all right. Well, Rob, thank you very much for joining me tonight and being my very special guest on, on Golf Talk Live. And for those of you tuning into the show, and uh, if you'd like to uh, to get um, uh, access to uh, to Rob's program, go to centerofgravitygolf.com and enter the code okay. PLAYMORE, P-L-A-Y-M-O-R-E, and you'll receive a 40% discount. So you can't ask for better than that. And uh, he guarantees you you're going to lower your stroke. So, uh, again, Rob, thanks, and have a great weekend, and uh, I'll be in touch with you soon. Thanks very much, Ted. Appreciate the time. And uh, thanks to all the viewers out there. And uh, yeah, go, go see the site and then have some fun playing. Play more golf. That's what we're here for. Play more golf. All right. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Ted. All right. That was my very special guest this evening, Rob Bernard, uh, author and creator of Center of Gravity Golf. Get your swing and gear instructional book and video series. Uh, again, if you go to uh, centerofgravitygolf.com and enter in uh, check out Play More. Uh, you will receive a 40% uh, discount off the uh, cost of the program, so definitely worth uh, your while checking that out. And a uh, very interesting program. I, I uh, like some of the things that Rob was talking about tonight, and uh, I'm all for keeping things as simple as possible, and it sounds like he's done a great job with, with his program. Um, again, I want to thank uh, my special guests as well on the Coach's Corner panel, Clint Wright and Pete Buchanan. Guys, you did a fantastic job as always, and uh, glad you were able to join me. And uh, I want to thank the audience as well for uh, tuning in each and every week. Uh, and as I've said so many times, it's really through uh, your listenership and, and uh, also the many great guests that I have on here that help live a first-class show. And uh, I am going to be uh, looking forward to another great round of, of Coach's Corner uh, next Thursday and another uh, great guest. And just to let everybody know that on July 12th, uh, I'm going to be traveling, so there will not be a show. There will be one next Thursday, but on the July 12th show, there will not be a show, uh, but I will be returning the following Thursday. So I'm going to be on a little bit of a hiatus for a few days, and uh, I'll be uh, mid-air travel at the time, so obviously won't be able to do a show. But uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, God bless, and have a happy 4th of July for all of my American friends down here. I'm looking forward to a little celebration myself. And I will see you next week right here on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.